My name is Chris Hoffman. I'm Lisa Robinette, and I wanted to share my experience of the Intuitive Intensive with Crystal Ann Compton and Trisha Carr. The Intuitive Intensive was life-changing. I truly believe that the program is life-changing. Life-changing. <laughs> there we go, done. <laughs> life-changing. I am a intuitive reader, channel, and a psychic development teacher and coach. These are not words that I thought I would be describing myself as at the beginning of 2018. Sitting here as a graduate of the Intuitive Intensive, I can tell you how powerful the teachings are of Crystal Ann Compton, the founder of the Lightworkers Lab, and Trisha Carr. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do love them so very much, and I am so grateful for the teachings that they have taught me through this course. Sign up for the Intuitive Intensive. Just keep saying yes and be open and go forward with your heart and with love, and you'll get to where you want to go. Really fun. Welcome to Charmed Life, a multimedia podcast discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I am your host, Trisha Carr. Welcome to this episode. I'm really excited about today. I'm actually doing one of my solo episodes. I'm also doing an episode, a full-length episode on my metaphysics of the Bible. That's what I'm doing today. You guys have been giving me a lot of really great feedback about this mini-series that I've been doing in between my full-length episodes where I tend to interview someone and you know every now and again I do just a solo episode a full-length solo episode and so I'm just combining all of it together today and so welcome to this episode I hope that you enjoy it and just to give you a little heads up we have the intuitive intensive the 2020 intuitive intensive the early bird pricing is ending today if you are watching this live if you're watching this episode or listening to it live on Sunday January 19th 2020 <laughs> we're getting the date entirely <laughs> then go right now and check out the link that is in the description however you are listening or, or watching this and read all about the intensive it is by myself and crystal and compton and it is going to be amazing you know you hear us talk you hear me talking about it all the time you hear crystal talk about it all the time and even if you are listening after that date go check out the link because there may still be time whenever you're listening to this if it's in the next couple of weeks that's when the program starts and you may be still able to register it is a phenomenal cost investment however you slice it but you know i just wanted to give you the heads up about that and without any more delay i'm really excited to get into today's content today we will be talking about several different excerpts from the bible and the inspiration about it as it concerns the lens of metaphysics and and mysticism so if you're it is you are one of your first times joining me here on this podcast and 
YouTube channel, you um, you maybe I'll, I'll give you a little background. I am an intuitive. I'm a medium. I'm a multi-dimensional medium and channel. I'm an animal communicator, and I'm also a hypnotherapist. And so, I essentially I'm a spiritual teacher. I'm a teacher of metaphysics and mysticism, and that is metaphysics being the philosophy and mysticism being the art form through which I experience and also teach and hold space for others to experience themselves as a, a, their individuated piece of this one energy of the universe, the one song. And I do have a background. My, uh, I raised myself essentially in the evangelical Christian church. My family didn't raise me that way, even though we were influenced that way. I raised myself that way and was very much involved and had my my spiritual awakening and growth my as as I was a, a young child and then a young adult and then I at some point left the paradigm of that system but there is still so much gold that I hold in my being and the growth that I experienced through the words as particularly some of the words of Jesus and so I've been doing this series as a mini series or a series of mini episodes between my regular episodes of this program Charmed Life and I actually haven't done a, a, a mini episode in a couple of weeks because of the holidays and just some other busy stuff I had going on. And so now I'm actually dedicating a whole full length episode to it. And I'm the, what we're going to talk about today is some of the stuff that just so deeply inspires me. And even I was I was seeing these perspectives, what you I would now identify as a metaphysical kind of perspective, even while I when I was still in the more traditional version of the church and the modern teaching and even the dogma of the organized religion of Christianity. Well, let's get right into it. I'm going to preface this with a little personal development, and it'll segue into what I'm talking about, and that is about language. Now, I did talk about as I introduced this series that I would kind of take inspiration from language, and yet I wouldn't go in too deeply into semantics because I wanted to. St- I want to stay very fluid and not be rigid with you know the original language that much, unless it happened to be a point of inspiration. And I, I stand by that. So anyone, I have actually gotten a comment or two saying, "Oh, have you studied Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic?" and and I'm like, "That's not the point. This isn't a study of the logistics and the semantics. This is a way to." come into some kind of inspiration, evolution, and sovereignty for the spiritual experience. Language is, for me, a a way to do that. See, language, whether it is the spoken word or the language of physical form, language is a way to sort of back your way into what it is that you are creating, what it is that you are interpreting from the purity of the one light, the one energy. And so language as it as it concerns the spoken word is actually something that is something that is somewhat it separates us from the the truth of the energy beneath it. It's really just a signpost. If we overfocus on it, then we would be separated from it. But if we focus on it and then allow ourselves to flow and, and, and flow around it, then each and every one of us interpret and experience the energy energy beneath the words or the energies that the words point to in a way that 
through love and through connection will actually help us to do have that evolutionary, that inspired experience. And so language is the expression of the subconscious mind. Language, if we speak it or if we speak it aloud or if we speak it in, in our mind, how we have our self-talk, this is something that will reinforce the way that we are expressing ourselves on this plane, the way that we're creating our physical body. The physical body itself is actually a language and it is the interpretation of the subconscious mind. And so how language comes about, how we're, I'm always fascinated with how words come about because I will kind of take a moment, a pause, I'll, I'll, my attention, the energy beneath a word will draw me in and I will question how did we create that word? And there's usually something very telling that is in the root of the word or the way that it is it, it is experienced in the older form, like how it began and then now how we have the connotation that surrounds it. And so language is the, is the subconscious mind. We can both see what is going on in our subconscious mind by how we're languaging and we can see what is going on in our subconscious mind by how our body is languaging, is being the language, and also just in our physical reality. All of that is the language. It is the outpicturing of what is going on with your subconscious mind or your vibration. It is, the, it is telling of what frequency is emitting from you. And so it is, we can also reverse engineer that. We can be careful about the language that we are selecting. We can take a, a moment, we can give ourselves a sort of discipline, a way to come into alignment by paying attention, bringing awareness around our language, and then shifting it so that we can then give that message back to our subconscious mind and tell our vibration that we are coming into a holistic alignment that we are willing and interested to raise. And willing is an interesting way to say that because will is thought. And so if I am willing to raise my vibration, then I may be speaking words that will then reverse engineer back to my vibration, back to my subconscious mind, a way to raise it. And so something that I have been experimenting with for I think years now is really finding a way to eliminate something like I'm sorry. Now I'm not saying there's not a good reason to say I'm sorry. There is. Sometimes there is a good reason to say I'm sorry. But often we say I'm sorry when we don't really mean I'm sorry. And I've shared this on this podcast before, that a good exercise may be that when you have an urge to say I'm sorry, to give yourself a beat, to give yourself a pause, and see if you really and truly could say thank you instead. Instead of I'm sorry I'm late, perhaps you want to honor the person for being flexible and being understanding. And because you're not necessarily sorry, you didn't have, make an error there was some circumstance or something that had a priority that was in proper alignment for you to make that priority. And so you really aren't truly sorry as in saying, I wish that I had not done what I have done. But there are times for that when we want to honor that. But a lot of times we really mean thank you. Thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being here for me. Thank you for understanding. 
So really, that is a better way to honor the other and to honor ourselves in a lot of the situations. And like I said, sometimes when we, we if we really does feel right to say, well, no, I actually want to honor the person by saying, I wish that I had, I, I, I endeavor to learn from this and I make amends and I make atonement for it. That That is sometimes appropriate. And then another thing that I work with and I experiment with and something to um, offer you is to see if we can be in more of the affirming language rather than the negating language. And I don't mean negative like you have a bad attitude. I mean negating to to um, cancel out something. And this is something that it really is not easy to do because we're so conditioned, it's so common in our language to be saying I am not or do not or I don't want to or I should or ought. Those words are all kind of like undoing it's correcting in the very moment and it's a very convoluted way to exist it really isn't truly flow because it's a step back you see flow would be more of an easy even movement in a forward motion and this discipline is something that I have been working on with myself because as it concerns nature and animals and I am an animal communicator Nature, animals, spirit, energy communicates affirmatively and in a forward motion. So if we are manifesting, we want to manifest forward. We want to create and we want to be in the vibration of what is and what I am creating. If it isn't here right now, am creating it and feeling it in such a positive way that we are linked to the nowness of the am creating, of the I am, of the manifestation. Rather, we would be saying, I do not want, I am not happy with. And if we are saying, I am not happy with my relationship, we are reinforcing the relationship. If we are giving ourselves negative feedback, well, we're not really in the positive flow motion yet. We can use a little bit of that moving away from in order to get ourselves motivated sometimes. You know, it may be I want to be healthy and therefore I am moving toward exercise and diet that is in more alignment, but I, I don't, I am fat and I don't want to be fat, or if those are the words that someone might use, then that's going to actually arrest you in those negating feelings and continue the habits that are upholding it. That's just how, the, that's just the truth. And th- I promise this is actually segueing into the Bible. <laughs> You'll see in a second. And I wanted to share with you a funny little parable that I heard from Alan Watts, who is a, a past, he's, he's now past, teacher, and his son curates, I think it's, yeah, I believe his son curates a podcast of his old recordings, or re- curates his old recordings and puts them on a podcast so you can find this, Alan Watts. And I was just listening to a, a one little talk, and he told a story, it's a, it's, again, it's like a little parable, and I'm actually going to make it a little bit my own, so even though I heard it from him and he was making it his own, I'm going to make it my own even more. So here we go. And so it goes like this. God and Archangel Gabriel were together and they were sorting out and creating language, the spoken word, the written word. And so God and Archangel Gabriel had been working at it for a while and they were creating this big book, the lexicon of language, of spoken word. And they've been going at it for a while. And so then finally, they're like, well, let's take a break. And so they said, yeah, yeah, let's take a break. Let's go get a bite to eat. <laughs> Personifying God and Archangel Gabriel is <laughs> funny to me. Let's get, let's, get, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's go get a bite to eat. Okay, well, I'll call an Uber. Yeah, you call an Uber because you're better at it, Gabriel, because you're the one who calls out and all. Okay, all right. So I'll call an Uber. 
And they got in the Uber and they, they go get something to eat. And, they, you know, they left the book in the Uber. The book they'd been working on so much that it was creating the language for Earth, for humankind particularly. And so they left it in the Uber and, oh, no, well, we'll have dinner. They called the Uber. Uber's going to bring it back and everything. But meanwhile, while that Uber was driving around with the book in the, in the back seat, well, that Uber driver picked up the devil. And he had to take devil somewhere. And devil, uh, Satan, you know, the devil, he sees the book there and he's like, oh, wasn't this interesting? Hmm. Let me see what I can do. Opens up this book that Archangel Gabriel and God have been putting together of the language of humankind. And he decided to add a couple of words of his own. And those words were should and ought. <laughs> and so another little tip about how you can look at your languaging and see what it is that your subconscious mind or your vibration is so working around right now and then again reverse engineer it by changing your per, your your mind speak your self-talk or the way that you're actually speaking vo vocally verbally is you can eliminate the shoulds and and you know as as i think it kind of reminds me of yoda there is no try do or do not should is is like that and so I'll try to think about how I should not be shooting all over myself. If you're shooting all over yourself, then you're not really in the positive, affirming, forward flow motion. So let's see if we can eliminate the shoulds as well. And with that, let's get into the content of the metaphysics of the Bible for this episode. And here's our segue. You ready for it? I promised. I promised you it was going to work. Ready? Here we go. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so this is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And just that right there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I'll, I'll mention the next couple of sentences here just in a bit, but I want to start right here because the Word as I see it through the metaphysical lens, as I feel it in what the energy beneath it, what the vibration, what the subconscious, the collective subconscious, the most pure, the pure message here is how it is speaking to the universal architecture, the unfolding of God or source energy, the prime creator energy, being pure consciousness, so pure, that this energy was actually nothing. Because in order for God or for source energy to be something, there had to be creation. And I think that's so beautiful. I think it is so beautiful that in order for God to even exist as a consciousness, there had to be creation. And so a few episodes in this miniseries, a few episodes ago I talked about, and, and God said, let there be light. And, in, and I'm carrying through with that theme of light being consciousness. So God or source energy, prime creator energy in the very beginning was so everything that it was actually not even a thing yet. It was so consciousness that it was actually unconsciousness as well. In order for it to be everything, it had to be unconscious. And so in order for there to be something there had to be consciousness. There had to be word. And word is expression. So source energy sought to experience itself 
or just something. And then as it did, as it had a thought, as it had an expression, it was the word. And so for there to be a beginning, there is expression. For there to be a beginning, there is creation. And in the beginning, the only way there could be a beginning, there was God, or source energy, prime creator, and word, or expression. And that is, that word is consciousness. That word is light. And so light, consciousness, it does indeed precede physical reality. And yet we can also use that physical reality, like I said, with the languaging, the, the energy beneath, the energy precedes that which will be created. And yet the creation can then partner with the uncreated or the not yet manifested as we can reverse engineer and watch our languaging and then partner with our own creation to help us to get back to that which is more true about ourselves, to dematerialize with material in order to be more in the purity. I hope you guys are following me here. So that is what consciousness is. That is what light can do. It precedes physical reality, and yet it can also partner with physical reality in order to create something new. And that is the universal architecture. This is how it goes. My friend Crystal Ann Compton, who is teaching the intuitive intensive with me, had a wonderful program called Many Mansions. And it was, I think it, it is still available if you go to the lightworkerslab.com. You'll be able to find it as an on-demand program. And I'm actually going to reference um, on, on a upcoming episode of this Metaphysics of the Bible, something that she talks about in that program, Many Mansions. Many Mansions is she named that program after actually a Bible verse, but we'll get there eventually. What I want to say is that I, Crystal also teaches about the universal architecture, and we teach about this in the intuitive intensive. So when I say universal architecture, I'm talking about that there is a prime creator energy, and then there is an unfolding of creation as the creator creates and then partners with the creation and then the creation as a creator imbued with the energy because god a man made god made man in his image that means that the creation man or mankind or anything that is created by god or the prime creator gave that creation the absolute authority or free will to also create and so that which is in the creation is exactly mirrored at, from the creator. And so that is what we are able to do. There's partnering after partnering in order to create a new reality, a different reality. And that is the architecture. So there's prime creator and then there's a, t a layer of creation. And we tend to experience that in our um, human perspective and in the mystic lens as the archangelic realm. And then the archangelic realm partners with God, partners with source energy, and then creates oversouls, creates other angels. Oversouls partner with archangels and then create humans and trees and plants and animals and so on and so forth. So that is the architecture. Now, architecture does, is, does not mean hierarchy. It's really just an, a dance. It's an organizational system. So there's organization in the universe. There's organization in creation, but there isn't a hierarchy in the sense that one thing is better or higher than the other because it's all one energy at the fundamental experience of it. It is all light. It is all the word that is with God. In the beginning, 
and for and uh, going forth. There's no way to not be the word that was with God and the word that is God. And so that is the unifying experience, the consciousness, the light that shows us that while there is an unfolding and then there is an experience of organization of the universal architecture, there isn't a hierarchy, though, of something being better or more powerful or more important. That is the key thing. There is no such thing as more important. And what authority actually means is authorship. It means being able to partner and co-create and, and to be in the authorship of it, to be the authority, the responsible party of the creation process. And so the word, as I said, is the expression of source energy. And since the word was with God and the word was God and the word is God, and that word is the light of consciousness, then that is speaking, as we understand in metaphysical uh, perspective, that there is really and truly only one energy. This word, this consciousness energy, is just one. It also shows us that time and space are illusions because the word was with God and the word is God, because consciousness and light exists, period. Not because. It exists. The beginning is the now. The beginning is the experience of prime creator energy having an experience and that is now that is the only one single moment and the only one single place from just many infinite different perspectives and so time and space space in truth is an illusion in comparison to the one energy it is just an experience of the dance of the creation and so light or energy, as we talk about it so much in our metaphysical speak, is just one. And so, being that there is only one true energy, then I look at uh, chapter 1 still in, in the Gospel of John, in verse 29, when they say about Jesus, Look, it is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world. And so now let's talk about sin. Let's talk about sin, shall we? Back to language, right? I think that it's really cool that we picked the word sin to express what is going on here. Because the word sin in its genesis is uh, has to do with archery. When you are shooting at a target and you miss it a little bit. So you've missed the mark. Sin, what it has come to mean, at least by the dogma and the fear that I had been conditioned by, meant death. It meant wrong. It meant bad. It meant unworthy. This is what it meant. But how is that possible? How is it possible if there is only one energy? Or if we even think of it as in that personified version of God is a parent, if God is a perfect parent, if God is only a, even a good parent, what parent does not always welcome their child back to their bosom? What, what parent doesn't always see that their child is growing and learning and is always available to him or her to allow that growth and learning to unfold? How is sin something that is not supposed to happen? Sin is natural when we're talking about missing the mark. Sin is just missing the mark and you always have another opportunity 
to learn from that and to get back into that alignment. So sin is really just a misalignment. And that's just an opportunity to grow and to learn when we come back into the alignment. Sin to miss the mark just means misalignment. And so how the Lamb of God or how Jesus was personifying the one energy, the light, and was therefore able to take the sin away from the world was because the way that Jesus was holding the light in this experience, it just proved, he was holding it so that he was identifying to the one energy, to consciousness, to light. He was identifying to unity and saying that if there is sin, if there is a missing of the mark, all you have to do is be back in that space of only one energy. And then you're in alignment again. And that is how you actually learn from the sin. That's how you grow from it. And that's how it actually becomes love. As I said, I've said before, love is so powerful that it makes a wrong thing the right thing to have happened. Love is so powerful, it corrects timelines because, after all, timelines and time are just illusion and they are properties of light, of love. They are not, time is not something that is above love or light. It is an expression of it. And so it is t- love and light are the master. Love is the master of time. Time is something that is subject to it. This is what I mean when I say it's a property of love. So love is so powerful. That if there is a sin, if there is a missing of the mark, if there is a misalignment, if there is something that wants to be corrected and learned from when we get back into the alignment of love, it was the right thing. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful love is. And so misalignment is when it is taken away, when consciousness is accepted, then then you are back in the authority, back in the alignment. And that is what the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is that Jesus was vibrating to that truth, that higher truth. There is only light. Be the light. And then the sin of the world is taken away. It's taken away because we are above it. We are we are above the burden of it. We are no longer underneath it. It has been moved away because we are now above it as the master, as in being in alignment with the one energy, being in alignment with love. And what ta- this takes me to my next point, and that is that if light, if consciousness, if light, one energy, if it's eternal, and it is eternal in all directions, it's not just eternal in the past, this is still the beginning. This is still the beginning where the word was, is with God and the word is God. And so light is eternal. And if it is eternal in all directions... That brings us to a little topic that we talk about in metaphysics and mysticism, and we call it reincarnation. Now, interestingly, I'm going to give you a couple of instances where the Bible talks about reincarnation. But interestingly, even the word reincarnation is limited because it is, when we say reincarnation, we're talking about if really a linear process. We're actually talking about a timeline. And so it's actually still a bit limited in the linear sense just by the word. 
Really, it is omni-incarnation. That would be a more appropriate, but we, you know, we're not using that word right now. Omni-incarnation. In truth, there is only one energy. And even though there is this architecture, there is this different kind of experience of organization of how there was creator partnering with creating and then partnering with the creation, creation partnering with creation and creator. That one energy, even though that exists in the story, it is still always just the one energy, the light that exists in all of it. And so the light that is dispatching you and your, your physical reality is also the light that is dispatching me. And how we call upon that energy in any particular time, space, reality point of attraction is infinite. And so this is how we can, in this perspective, this is why we may all have a similar experience of, of having like certain archetypes that we feel that we are connected to, you know, like Cleopatra or indigenous people or so on and so forth. That's how that works is because we're calling on that energy. It's so fluid. Energy is so fluid and so connected that you really and truly can have a past life experience as some archetype. And you're not the only one. You know, because that energy that you're drawing upon, if you're drawing upon it for good and, and helpful reasons, then anyone can draw upon it as well. It gets a little confusing, right? It can be a little bit boggling. But the thing is, too, if you think about the energy, let's say if we look at it in a linear sense to help us to understand it, and God created Archangel Michael, Archangel Michael created an oversoul, the oversoul then dispatched a person and the oversouls dispatch more than one person dispatch more than one physical energy and so then that's how we can have a lot of proximity in our experiencing with one another because your energies really and truly are that close and referencing the same um, part of the light if you will <laughs> if that makes sense but the truth is that we do not die not on the experience of light and our bodies the physical reality is the product of the light, of the consciousness. We, we tend to speak sometimes of saying the soul in my body, but the truth is your soul or your energy is creating your physical reality, your body and the physical life that you are leading. And so you actually, another more accurate way to say it is that your body is a part of your soul, not the other way around. It's not, your soul isn't so small that it's just inside your body. <laughs> if we want to put some dimension around it, it's really that your soul is just creating a physical body. And so we don't die. That soul, that energy may discontinue the dispatch of the physical reality that it looks like your body, but it's always doing that all the time anyway, right? Aren't you losing nails and skin cells and hair? And, you know, that's, that's just the progress, the process of creating a physical reality. And so at some point, there will be the, the cord between the soul creating the physical body will be severed and the physical elements will take back how it had cooperated to create your physical body. And the truth, the higher truth of what we are, still continues. And so it will continue to contribute into the incarnations, the omni-incarnation of another experience. And back to the Bible. How the Bible talks about reincarnation. You ready? Okay, so 
This is actually in verse 21 still of uh, John chapter 1. And they ask, uh, it was John who was actually giving testimony about Jesus as as, uh, who he is and and John saying like well no I'm not the Messiah and, and pointing to Jesus being the one who they were identifying as the Messiah and so they were asking John well who are you because he was coming out teaching and he was proclaiming the coming of this great teacher this Messiah and so they asked John they said then who are you are you Elijah hmm as I recall, Elijah had been dead for a while. So here is the theory. I mentioned in the introduction video, I believe, or one of the first two uh, videos of the, in this mini-series, that I talked about the first Council of Nicaea, which was the council that was organized by the Emperor Constantine. And this was uh, sort of like around 300 BC after the BC, meaning, I mean, did I say that right? AD, sorry, AD, after, after the, the, you know, the incarnation of Jesus, of Yeshua. And the Roman Emperor Constantine organized a council to essentially curate this canon of what we call the Bible. And in this curation process, it is understood that it was done by, by people, by men. Let's just be honest. It was men. <laughs> and it was done by men, and it was done with certain intentions to shape a narrative. And part of this narrative seems to have included eliminating certain concepts that may help the more common person to feel relaxed, or we could say to put some fear into the more common person so that they could come into alignment of government. One of these concepts that was they attempted to eliminate was reincarnation or the omni-creation ability of energy or the soul. But they didn't quite get all of it. And there's a couple of parts right here where they accidentally, whoopsie, didn't realize they forgot to strike that part out. And one of them is here. They ask, who are you then? Are you Elijah? Elijah? How could he be Elijah? He would have to be a reincarnation of Elijah. Even though I just went out and said, you know, reincarnation is too linear. It doesn't matter. Drawing upon the energy of the soul energy of Elijah so much so that his message and his personage would be experienced in the person who is cur currently incarnated. And there's another time where this, they, whoopsie, butterfingers, forgot to remove the reference to reincarnation or omni-incarnation, if you, if you like. I like. And that is in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And this is when Peter is declaring, declaring Jesus to be Messiah. And so they, Jesus is, is asking him, who do people say the Son of Man is? Meaning, who do people say that I am? And so they replied to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they're enumerating all of these people who were gone, who, who passed, and saying that Jesus is what? The reincarnation in some form. He, he's calling on the, incarn the, the formerly incarnated experiences, the soul energy, the infinite energy of one of these people who are passed now at this time. And so, there's a little metaphysics for you in the Bible right there. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go tell that to your Baptist preacher, 
or your Church of Christ mom, um, but <laughs> it's right there in the Bible. <laughs> that, that, all right, I'm going to move on now. So let's get back into it. So with this, I, I want to encourage because I have a lot of people who find me because they have a similar experience as me, whether you came up specifically in dogmatic church or if you're just influenced by it because of the Western culture that we live in. But this fear, living in fear, that is how we are conditioned. That is the messaging that is outside of us. But the messaging that is inside of us is light, is consciousness. This deservedness, this unworthiness, this undeservedness, I should say, that we tend to walk around with, this wrong message that we must be in fear in order to be safe. All of us are conditioned this way. But the truth is that releasing the fear is going to make you safer. When we release fear and we move into calm, we move into relaxation, we move into ease, comfort, and trust that we're actually going to be safer. And I have an example for you from science. From science, y'all. You can take this to your skeptical friend. And that is, there was, there is a person whose name is Dr. John Sarno. He is a, a spinal surgeon. And so total man of science. And he was discovering by all of these x-rays, he was comparing x-rays and all of the patients that he had had, and he was seeing that there was damage, damage in one person and damage in another person that was just the same because most of us have what they would classify as spinal damage by the time we're about, I think, 25. It's just how it is. And he would see damage from a certain set of people exactly like another set of people And some people would have pain and other people wouldn't have pain. And he says, this makes no sense, but not by science, not by the scientific method. And so he went on to do his studying and looked into it. And and to paraphrase a lot of his work, go check it out on your own. But to paraphrase it, essentially, he discovered that more or less stress or worry contributed to the experience of pain or discomfort that was happening in the body. And and the surgery wasn't necessary for one person with the exact same damage that was necessary with another person. And here is why. And that is because fear, which is what worry and stress and and all of of that kind of negative energy is, that we believe makes us safe, the anxiety and or the depression that we think that we are conditioned to think makes us safe actually makes us unsafe. It arrests the blood flow in our physical body so that it cannot go, run af- af- appropriately and it makes us unwell, it makes us unhealthy. It takes blood out of one area and then will cause pain, discomfort, damage and uh, disease. And this is how it works in the physical body, and this is how it works in our consciousness, in our energy as well. When we are in the state of warrior stress, we are essentially having our life force energy move to places in our energy field, these negating areas, the shoulds over here, and the I ought to over here, and I don't want to over here, and then all of that negating languaging that's happening in our energy body, and it, it amounts to static, it amounts to an unclear signal. Relaxing and being calm and being in that state, which I'm about to ex- explain to you as grace, will then facilitate your life force energy to move efficiently. 
And to move in alignment, not missing the mark, but alignment, you will be safer, you will be healthier, you will manifest, you will be you will be abundant, you will be in love, you will be loving, and you will be able to accept love. And so I ask you, I ask you to be in the light of consciousness. And how do you do that? By accepting the state of grace. Grace. Grace is the space between the energy and the outpicturing of it becoming material. There is grace there. And that's where you are met as a co-creator of the universe. You are met in that place of grace. And now grace isn't something that you enter in because you deserve it. And grace isn't earned. Grace is just something that you allow. And so to be in the state of allowance, allowance of what the reality is, because indeed you created it and co-created it for a good reason. You truly did. Even if it seems from one perspective that it is uncomfortable or even painful, you created it for a good reason. Indeed, you did. And being able to accept and allow grace to find you is how then you will be able to move back into that masterful position. Grace is what that fundamental consciousness, that light, how it is communicated to us. Because doesn't any parent give their child grace? Again, if God is a parent, a good parent, let alone a perfect parent, then indeed grace is available to each and every one of us. Grace is not deserved. It can only be allowed. Allowing grace to find you brings you out of the illusion of danger. Danger that you are somehow unsafe. Because the truth is when you enter into, when you allow grace to find you and you're able to be in the one energy, then the truth is there's no way anything could possibly be unsafe because in order for something to be unsafe means that there has to be two things. One that will collide with another and destroy the other. But if there's only one energy, then there isn't any way to be unsafe because you're at home in the one. There cannot be anything to harm another if there is only one. And that's where we are in that higher experiencing and the higher truth of the light of consciousness. And you in the highest truth cannot be against your fellow because you are him or her. You are your fellow. And so you cannot do harm if you allow grace to find you and then you are in the one energy. And you share that same light that creates you with your fellow. And that is how life is in flow. It is an only the one eternal now. So being present, allowing that stress, that depression, that fear, that anxiety, the threat that is perceived to fall away and to f- allow grace to find you and bring you home into the experience of the one. Because there really and truly is only one I am. I am is what in the beginning was the word and the word was with was with God and the word was God. The words that were uttered are I am and there's only one still resounding throughout the universe and that is you and that is me. And as it goes on, as I said, I'll get to the the words that come to in the beginning was the word and the words was with God and the word was was God. I'm saying it fast now. <laughs> The words that precede that in the verse, as John wrote them, is, He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So again, we're getting in that timelessness even in these words. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What I like to do with these, to interpret this, to get it to more of the, of the energy beneath it, is where it's saying he was, and through him, and all, all of the, where the pronouns are, I like to just think of it as I am, the one I am. The energy of the, of the I am. The I am is with God in the beginning. Through the I am, all things are made. Without the I am, nothing was made that has been made. In the I am is life, and that life is the light of all mankind. I am is the light of all mankind, of all creation, plants, animals, trees, stones, I am. That's how I like to hear it. That's how I like to feel it because it resonates more to me. It has more resonance. And that's what I think Jesus was saying every time that he said the Son of Man. He wasn't saying, I am the one and only Son of Man, even though that is said of him. He is saying that he he is talking about the one Son of Man, meaning all of mankind, all of the earth is the one Son or the one child because it is the expression, the one word, the I am. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, what is that telling us about the light? Is that grace, receiving grace, and moving back into the one light, the one consciousness? Because the darkness is the perception, the illusion of being unsafe, of being then arrested and forgetting, arrested in the perception of duality, rather than being able to be in the unity and recognizing duality as something that we co-create and play in. The darkness cannot overcome the light. That is true in our physical reality, right? You don't come in and turn on the darkness. You just, it, it's not possible. Light casts out the darkness. That's how it is because light is the higher truth. That is not an accident. That is not an accident that that's how it works in our physical reality as well. And so, and so, there is only one I am. And so, in him was life, or in the I am is life. And that life, that, uh, that life is the light of all mankind. And I like to think of it as the light of all of creation. And this brings me to, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this, these words of Jesus, I hear these through my metaphysical lens, through the, the, the way that it resonates more for me and perhaps it re- resonates more for you is that Jesus is actually saying, the I am, the one I am, is the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets back to the prime creator. No one gets back to the experience of God except for through their own I am portal, except for the I am. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God's source energy except through I am. Because I am puts you in that alignment. I am gets you out of sin or the missing of the mark back to the truth, the unity, the one light, the one energy and consciousness. And so Jesus goes on to say, if you really know me, you know my Father as well, because I am is the I am. From now on, you do know him 
and have seen him. And that's because I am and you are your I am and we are one. And so there is only one I am. And this is what we surrender to. When we allow grace, we are surrendering. And the surrender means to give up the illusion so that it can be the co-creation, that, that which we have actually created, and that we can come back into the masterful position where we belong, where we have never truly left. There is only one I am. And when we surrender, letting go of the resistance, then we come back in through the portal of grace. And we surrender to what is here and take ownership of it again, co-ownership with the universe. And so I ask you, in whatever way you can, to surrender by letting grace find you, to be in your own I am energy, for that connects you to the one I am. That is the truth of the one I am. Jesus said, these things that I do, you will do also, and even greater. He goes on to say that later in this very book. And it is because it is the same energy. And so Jesus affirms right there what I said earlier. There is no hierarchy because Jesus said, You're, you have the same energy. And I've just been here for now demonstrating it as this physical incarnated being. And you're going to do even more because that's how energy works. It evolves. It grows. It expands. And so you are. You are and I am. And together, we are co-creating this experience. And so allow the things that are in your environment, that which is outpictured, what I call the field, allow it to show you as the language what it is that you have been vibrating to and see it as an opportunity for growth and expansion because that is why you co-created it. That is why we co-created it. I created it with you as well. Well, that is what I have for you today. I would love it if you want to comment, tell me what you think, and just a reminder that, you know, I'm not really interested in the semantics. I'm only interested in the inspiration. I'm only interested in the Holy Spirit, holy meaning one, the whole spirit. I'm not really interested in calling names, but if you do that, then I will take that as your expression of where you are in your healing journey. Now, if you say something crude or mean or, or whatever, I, it won't harm me. I will allow myself to transmute whatever is transmutable, but I may delete your comment because I don't want other people to come there and have their energy dinged by it. But I do welcome you to comment and tell me if there's something else that you're interested in, in the metaphysics of the Bible or whatever it is. And more importantly, I invite you to move into your sovereignty, move into the truth of who you are. You're here because probably you're interested in intuition. And you know what intuition is? Intuition is that voice of your, of your sovereignty. It is the voice of your spirit. It is the voice of your I am. And it is connected to the synchronicity of the field. That's why synchronicities happen for you. It is you, it is you showing yourself, hey, I am awake. I am awake again in the one I am. I, I am awake in, and I am allowing the illusion to just be a part of what I play in. And so surrendering means to surrender to the organized system that is already there. And that is that you are a co-creator with the whole of the universe. Well, I really had a great time this episode. I hope you did too. 
And I encourage you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and review the podcast if you like. And to also check out the Intuitive Intensive if that is appropriate at this time. But more importantly, I want you to know the reason that I end the program the, the way that I do is I say I love you whoever you are is because I'm speaking to the purest, the truest of your essence. And I believe in you and that purity. And that's what I recognize with you. That's what I recognize in you, and I am endeavoring to reflect back to you. And so I hope you feel that right now. I love you so very much, and I see you, and I feel you. I feel the highest you, and I thank you for reflecting back to me the same. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Mm -hmm.